0: and good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel i am your host casey hendrickson and i uh want to well this is our first like full week that we've had in a while so hopefully you had a good weekend a good holiday welcome back uh we do have a full week for everybody this week so back to our normal schedule at least until forced vacations end up happening and that sort of thing uh here at the end of the year which is always something ends up having happening with me I want to thank r and Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. r and Car Company are your used car experts. So a couple of things we have coming up today. We have uh, Candace Owens versus the fact checkers. We've got China now blaming COVID on more countries other than China. And there's more to this, this alleged story that U.S. Special Forces may have attacked a cia server farm in germany which for the record is a story i have not bought into yet but it's very interesting who we are hearing talk about it so we'll get to all of that and much much more first on the docket though the uh the former vice president joe biden has suffered multiple fractures in his foot while playing with his dog and as always the The media is enamored with everything Joseph Biden, everything that he does, everybody he picks in his cabinet. Everybody is amazing. It's the best pick they've ever had. His dog is the most amazing first dog that they've ever seen, even though he hasn't won the election yet. It's all of this stuff. What I thought was so interesting about this, I mean, obviously Joe Biden's an old man and he's frail and he's fragile, and if he falls, he's going to break something. But they wouldn't let the reporters go into the hospital in order to observe and ask questions and stuff. It was really strange. You know, usually in a situation like this, you know, the reporters kind of come in. they're not in the room, obviously, but they can go in there. And there was just this uh, very strange sort of a blackout that was happening. And all of the press that follows Joe Biden around were not allowed access and, and they weren't allowed any information to ask any questions about it. It was all really strange. And at the time, we didn't know what it was. We knew that he hurt himself. The rumor was he hurt himself playing with his dog. Then the rumor was he sprained his ankle. Now, then it ended up being, oh, he had a small fracture in his ankle. Now we find out it's like multiple fractures. Now, they're hairline fractures, but if you've ever had a hairline fracture, you understand that they hurt too. So Biden's transition team uh, revealed that he suffered multiple hairline fractures to his foot, After he reportedly slipped and fell while playing with one of his dogs on Saturday, he's likely uh, going to have to wear an orthopedic walking boot for the next several weeks. According to his doctor, initial x-rays did not show any obvious fracture, but his clinical exam warranted more detailed imaging. Uh, The follow up CT scan confirmed hairline fractures of his lateral and intermediate uh, cuneiform bones, which are in the mid foot so he cracked the middle of his foot. So, obviously, this, look, this, this doesn't feel good. I just thought it was a little strange. It was very strange that they were hiding this from everybody. It just, I don't know, it was really odd. But, um, you know, look, a, medical privacy is medical privacy. And, and we know that, uh, <laughs> that Biden has been obviously hiding medical stuff from, from uh, the media for some time. And the media has been incurious about it. Let's um, see, okay, so this is 20 hours ago. I tweeted this out after the initial reports. Joe Biden's team will not allow a pool of reporters to see Biden go in or leave the orthopedist's office. Repeated requests for that were denied. And that immediately led to people going, what the heck is going on here? This is a little strange. Now, I am not saying that this happened, but I'm I'm simply offering this up as an explanation as to why when people saw what happened yesterday with the White House not being, a, or the White House, uh, not White House pool, who is it, the White House presser? Is it, no, the pool of reporters, excuse me. When his team wasn't allowing the reporters to even see him come or go, or all of his requests were denied, the reason that people are reading into that is because in the past, We have had situations where somebody needed to go to the hospital and in order to alleviate any concern or fear, they lie about why they're actually going into the hospital. Now, again, I am not making that allegation here. I'm not telling you that Joe Biden really suffered some other medical episode. I'm not telling you that he didn't fracture his foot. I'm just saying one of the reasons that people are a little skeptical of the official story is because of the... Um, The secrecy around it. And in the past, we have discovered that, you know, medical episodes were hidden under relatively minor injuries. And so you go into, you know, a doctor's office or a hospital or whatever for, you know, allegedly a minor little injury that nobody would ever be able to see and could easily be covered up when in fact you're having a major medical episode. Uh, I'm not saying that happened again, have to reiterate that. I'm simply explaining why people are looking at the behavior of the Biden camp yesterday with some skepticism, okay? We don't have any reason at this point to believe that he didn't fracture his foot or that this is some other type of an injury. I'm just attempting to explain to you why some people might be wondering if that was really the case. Uh, But again, uh, it went from... You know, he he uh, had a light sprain to uh, a fracture to multiple fractures. And it's, you know, just kind of going back and forth, just a little little strange. The secrecy involved is really the thing that that had a lot of people, um, a lot of people worrying about. President Trump uh, tweeted out, you know, get well soon and and that sort of stuff. So uh, in case you were curious, if it's always weird, if I if I leave out the response, of like a competitor or something of that nature if i leave that out then it, it becomes like a whole email thing for the next couple of days it's the only reason i'm including it in there not that trump needed to reach out or or trump deserves any accolades for doing it it's just that people are always curious if he did and they never want to look themselves so we have to tell you so again uh, multiple multiple hairline fracture in the middle of his foot uh, is what the official story is and he's going to have to wear a boot but he should be okay uh, State Representative Christy Stutzman is also speaking out about the COVID-19 restrictions in Indiana and her decision to step down. We have this story on 95.3MNC.com if you want to go check it out. So last week we told you that Christy Stutzman was was stepping down. You know, her and her husband, they they, they came here, um, they they bought, um, you know, the barns at Napanee. They bought that, uh, that whole thing. It's the old Amish Acres dealio. Uh, it was a big deal, huge story, you know, when it was going up for auction and all of that was a, was a big story. And then to have the Stutzmans, who everybody in the state knows, uh, coming up and, and, you know, buying the barns and all of that and turning it into a business, you was know, a really big story. And it was, it was something that everybody was really appreciative of. I think that I was even in the studio when Carl interviewed, um, I think it was Marlon about buying it and how happy everybody around here was that they did well you know it's this is her business a brand new business and it's struggling because of the lockdowns and everything that's happening with covid and all of that and um, next thing you know um, she's she's stepping down she said i look i have to focus on the business we bought this business and i can't uh, continue to be uh, in the uh, state legislature while this is going on i really have not thought that i would have had to make the decision until the last executive order came down stutzman said now she was on which wish Wish tv when she was saying this that was all kind of the last straw we could not survive financially if i didn't take take on more responsibility and this is really a story that a lot of businesses uh, particularly small businesses in the state of indiana and all over the country are able to relate to you know um We've had, unfortunately, our comp not my company, but our company in, in Federated Media has had to let a lot of really good people go. We didn't want to. But when your office isn't open, you how do you keep office staff around? Um, they weren't the only ones to go, but. Other people, you know, unfortunately had to be let go. And it's it's a horrible decision. It's a tough decision. It's one that I know I know personally many of the executives in our company are really upset about. Um, because a lot of those people are not just coworkers, but they're friends. And they're even friends with upper staff. And they're valuable assets to the company. But if you don't have a place for them and you can't afford to keep them, there isn't much you can do. And so what ends up happening with you know that company and um, their, the Stutzman's company and anybody else who's out there is, well, now you've got a reduced, a reduced staff, which means all of the responsibilities that have to be done and all of the new stuff that is piled on top of it as a result of the restrictions, the closures, and all of that, that all now has to be picked up by somebody who's staying on staff. And that oftentimes can mean increased responsibility. So with the Stutzman's, you know her position was i had to leave the legislator uh legislature excuse me i had to leave the legislature so i could accept more responsibility and and pick up some slack or we weren't going to survive as a company it was just really that that simple um, and i know that there was a lot of people on my facebook page when i posted this were really mad at her for doing this uh, one because you know they support her and they they want her to stick it out they wanted to fight with the governor about all of this but She has an obligation to her family and and to her business and her employees as well. And I can appreciate the decision that she had to make. and, And as a business owner, I can understand a little bit, you know, without knowing the details of what they're probably having to deal with right now. So I would just encourage a lot of you who have expressed some anger because you want her to stay and fight the governor as much as she can, as one person in the state legislature can do, which isn't much. Um, While I can appreciate you wanting that, I would ask you to put yourself into her position and her her business's position in that um, she's got obligations to me. She's got people that are relying on her. And I know the voters are relying on her too. I get that. But she's got people who don't eat if she doesn't succeed. And she's got to take care of those folks. And that includes her own family. So with respect, I would ask a lot of you who maybe haven't run a business to maybe just keep that in your mind the next time you're trying to go off on her online. Uh, like I said, I understand your frustration. I really do get it. I, it's just that I was I was a little surprised at some of the backlash that I saw for her with her having to make this decision. A lot of people felt that she was giving up or something of that nature. But you know, this is a brand new business, which for the record required some rehab going right into it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of manpower. And they don't have the resources that they were planning on having because, well, a giant pandemic and a lockdown happened. And the governor hasn't made that easier on her at all. So, you know, she said that we've had to do several rounds of layoffs. We are down to a skeleton crew. We are trying to make ends meet. And we've invested in that business personally. And the personal investment has gotten so great in order to keep the barns at Napanee running that Stutzman said that she had to resign so again and she did that because you know the last the last order by the governor um, which appears to defy logic and it certainly defies science you know look it, if you look at the I know that Indiana is not Sweden but if you look at Sweden so Sweden uh, they're now saying they they don't have any evidence to hurt herd immune anymore so everybody thought they were herd immune they're now saying we're not herd immune but the new surge that is happening in Sweden is much smaller than their neighbors and less people are having a serious reaction to the virus than their neighbors are. So their death rate is much better in this, this next surge. And if you look at the states in the U.S., Florida, for example, that didn't shut down, they're outperforming almost every other state. And the states that shut down the most and have the strictest lockdowns tend to be the ones that are getting hit hardest right now. Just throwing that out there. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. Don't forget we're streaming live on DLive.TV slash Casey the host. If uh, you follow me on YouTube or on Facebook or on Parlor, please follow me on DLive.TV slash Casey the host. That is where we do all of our live streaming now. All right. Los Angeles. Now I'm only talking about L.A., because this pertains to something that happened in Michigan. Los Angeles became the only only county in America this winter to ban outdoor dining. Now, the order will last a minimum of three weeks, will be financially devastating for many restaurants. It could lead to would-be diners to congregate in venues that are less safe. That is uh, Reason.com, Libertarian website. Now, obviously, with everything that happened with Whitmer's latest orders, um, you know, constitutionality, set aside with closing all those these restaurants down closing down bars things like that you know uh, prime table on 11th street in Niles we love them and they were forced to close they're running those commercials that hey we'll open up on the 8th um you know that's they have to you know their staff isn't making money they're not making money I mean this is this goes back a little bit to what we're talking about with Christy Stutzman but you know that is devastating When we're talking about over 60% of hotels in Indiana may close their doors permanently, never reopen again, over 60%. We're talking about nationwide, you know, they're talking upwards in the 70th percentile, small businesses that will permanently close and never be able to reopen. You start talking about that, it is absolutely devastating to the economy on what is happening. Uh, Meanwhile, now look, I'm I'm a happy Amazon Prime customer. And like many of you, I have reservations about ownership at Amazon, um, but the company and the service that I get are top notch. And I'm not going to apologize to anybody for being a customer of it. And I still recommend everybody sign up. But I have the same reservations of of Bezos that many of you have. Um, But at the same time, you know, these small businesses closed down and Amazon is they're going gangbusters right now absolutely going gangbusters a lot of delivery services are now you have to adapt you've just you've got to adapt you've got to figure out a way to adapt in this market and if you don't you'll die i mean that's just how it's going to be it's always that way and depending on how things change around that's how it'll be in the future but the reason i bring this up is that there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever none there is no data set that even exists that shows that outdoor dining has contributed to the spread of covid none and this goes back to what I've been telling you for months now. It, this is politicians doing busy work. They don't have any answers and everything they've tried has failed. So what they have to do is just keep trying other things or redoing the other the, the things that already failed before and pretend that it's because one or two people didn't comply. That's why it didn't work. And that's where we're at. So this shutting down restaurants, in fact, all restaurants, even indoor dining, there is no link to mass spread of COVID with indoor dining. Uh, Usually the cases that you get of COVID with uh, with indoor dining come from the staff, but they don't generally involve the customer base. So everybody is is fairly good. It's usually in the in the back kitchen staff most of the time, not all the time. So you've got a lack of data that shows that, you know, shutting down restaurants is going to help with the spread of the virus at all. There is some information about bars, um, but as far as, you know, eating and things of that nature, there just isn't any data that shows that they're super spreader type scenarios, especially outdoors. And then you've got this Kentucky coffee shop owner, and this is a coffee shop, lost their license because they, they didn't go along with the COVID restrictions, a drinkery in Kentucky that sells both coffee and alcohol, which by the way, sounds like my spirit animal business. Uh, lost its alcohol license by the state's alcohol beverage control agency on Wednesday after failing to comply with COVID-19 restrictions despite an order from the, uh, the county health department to close its doors on Tuesday they opened for business on Wednesday was inundated with customers who came in uh, to show support for the company and then they lost their liquor license as a result of it so you know it's 1984 okay Uh, pick up the book read 1984 don't watch the movie read the book 1984 you got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel i am your host casey hendrickson again some of the things that we have for you today We'll have more COVID updates throughout the day. I don't want to overload it, uh, so we're going to sprinkle them in like throughout the day. I'm going to try and limit the impact of them, so you don't have these, you know, massive chunks of COVID throughout the entire day. Uh, do have some pretty significant election updates as well. Trump had a very good week last week and over the weekend, so we'll we'll talk about all of that, what that means, and also um, if you go to the Burning you'll see that uh, Ajit Pai is going to be stepping down from his position at the FCC. This is a tremendous blow to free speech on the Internet. And there is obviously, with a Biden administration, a path right back to net neutrality. So we'll talk about all of that and more coming up on the program. All right, let's let's take a look here. This is I've got several of these stories, but it's just one of those things. Oh, yeah. You know, what? it's um, yeah, the Biden cancer thing. I want to get to that here. Anyway, um, we have another major liberal cause turned out to be a scheme that just makes a couple of people rich and no, no big surprise there. Uh, let's see. What is the, uh, see times up times up. The group intended to stand against sexual harassment in the workplace in the wake of the me too movement spent a majority of its contributions on of administrative wages and only a portion of. On legal costs to actually help victims in its first year. Now, the thing about, I don't know, do people that not know this, when you sign up and you do one of these types of organizations and you, you create one of them, do they not know that all of this stuff is public? It's like, <laughs> I feel like so many people are doing these things. They don't realize that there is a, a public way for you to see all of this. And, you know, you look at the uh, the Biden cancer charity. Remember, Biden has said that he's going to cure cancer. God, he's, he's going on 20 years now. We're going to cure cancer next year. Okay. It still hasn't happened. Um, and the research that I've highlighted, which are actual miracle cancer treatments, didn't have anything to do uh, with any of, of his organizations or, or anything like that. Um, but the cancer charity that, you know Biden has now. This is to honor his son, right? So they have a cancer charity, which, for the record, is a good thing, right? If you're actually doing good work, then so be it. But Biden has a cancer charity to honor his son. Well, they spent three million dollars on staff salaries. Do you know how much they spent on research? So staff got paid three million bucks. You know how much they they spent on research? Zero. Not a penny. According to tax filings. Now, again, when you start throwing this out there and the average, you know, there's, there's a good chunk of, of Biden voters now who, who say that they would change their vote had they known some of the things that the media didn't tell you. But, you know, this is just another example. There's been a dozen or so of these over the past year where you have these groups and it happens on the political right, too. I always tell you, be careful where you're sending your money during an election cycle because a lot of that stuff is fake. lot of fake veterans organizations show up Uh, a lot of fake uh, organizations that benefit liberal or conservative causes show up but this is the difference is a lot of these end up being really big ones really big ones so according to the tax filing time's up foundation and time's up now inc raised 3.67 million dollars in 2018 in its first year okay i i can't i can't raise like 10 grand but all right 3.67 uh, 3.67 million dollars in 2018 less than 10 percent was spent on helping those women who have endured sexual offenses and i'm willing to bet that none of them none of them uh went to joe biden's accusers filings show that $312,000 was spent on the legal defense fund while 1.4 million was spent on wages i'm rounding it okay down actually and more than 157,000 was spent on gatherings at luxury hotels, and a further 58,000 was spent on travel. All right, well, and again, they bring in Hollywood actors. So what do they get? They got Reese Witherspoon, uh, Amy Schumer, Brie Larson, a bunch of others. You know, really big Hollywood heavyweights. You know, who have been sounding the alarm about a very real culture of predator behavior in Hollywood, which we've all known about for a long time. You know, and they raise all of this money, but then they don't actually use the money at all to help women who need it. And I'm willing to bet there's plenty of women out there who could have used it. The chief marketing officer, Rachel Terrace, uh, got paid $295,000 for her work during the first year. So She got a $300,000 a year salary. The marketing officer. Well, and to be honest, she did really good. Now the CEO got $342,308 for her payroll. Uh, what else do we have here? The treasurer got $255,327. Well, okay. And that's just obviously a small chunk of their staff. But again, you know, these organizations pop up. A lot of people have asked me over the years, why do these groups, you know, keep popping up? And I told you before, they're money machines. That's what they are. They're money and publicity machines. That's what they do. They don't do much real work. They don't do a lot of actual good. You get Southern Poverty Law Center. And they it got to a point where actual uh, bigotry was so rare that they had to start fabricating it and making it up. So what do they do? They market themselves and they create. A a risk or a threat or something of that nature that doesn't really exist in order to get people to give them money, and when they promised to quit after they made a certain amount of money, they didn't. They just moved it offshore and hid the money, and that's that's what these groups do. Uh, they're not interested in solving problems because if they solve problems, they can't raise money off of it anymore. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with making money, but if you're supposed to be a charitable organization that is helping victims why is it that three of the top people are pulling in almost $300,000 why is that it shouldn't you be focused on on people who actually need need your help i mean $312,000 was spent on the legal defense fund The CEO made more in salary at over $342,000. The CEO made more money than they actually spent helping women fight their cases against their abusers. That's just one person made more money than they actually spent fighting people. And then again, the Joe Biden thing, $3 million of, of their funds that uh were were contributed they went to pay staff salaries zero dollars on research zero zilch nada got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, broadcasting live at DLive.TV. Slash Casey, the host D as in dog live.TV slash Casey, the host. Make sure you go uh, check us out. If you're watching, hit that follow button uh, and download their free app while you're at it. Really good about getting you notifications. You know how sometimes when you are following me on YouTube, you wouldn't get notifications. That doesn't happen on D Live. You tend to get notifications pretty good on D Live. All right, let's look at defensive gun use since guns are becoming an issue again. Even though gun control support is at record lows right now, as everybody seems to want a boomstick. Uh, so this is the Crime Prevention Research Center. They're great. CrimeResearch.org is the website. Uh, they put out a lot of good data and they are a pro-gun place, but their data is really solid, and it's usually taken from nonpartisan sources, so definitely check it out. So, defensive gun use where people legally carrying concealed guns have stopped crime, okay? They've got a list of cases from mid-October to mid-November in 2019. This is not current, and this is Uh, Pretty interesting to to take a look at. I'm not going to go through all of these, but um, I used to do on my website, the NRA contacted me a few years back and the NRA said, hey, would you be interested in partnering with us to, you know, uh, post some of these stories? I think they still send me emails. I don't always have the time to do those posts anymore, so I don't do a lot of them. But I used to uh, to do a regular thing on my website at theburningtruth.us where it would be an example of a law-abiding gun owner using a gun to prevent a crime and the point of all of this obviously is to drown out the false narrative that people don't use their guns to prevent crime and oftentimes a preventative use of a firearm does not involve any shots being fired and that is critical because a lot of the data only shows you know a very small fraction of gun incidents in the country And the research now for many, many years has conclusively shown you're far more likely to use a gun to prevent a crime than to actually commit a crime. It is a staggering difference, actually. So when you get into defensive gun uses, and I'll put this in the Daily Show prep. Like I said, I'm not going to go over all of it. um, But, you know, they give you examples like a 26-year-old man walked into a store just before 1 a.m., tried to rob it. 34-year-old employee pulled out a gun fired at the attempted robber multiple times, hit him, uh, and the, uh, the employee was a licensed uh, gun owner. The suspect was taken to the hospital in critical but stable condition. And then they link to the actual news report of that. So what they do is they, they kind of collect these stories, and the NRA did this, at least used to do this. I don't know if they still do, at least not to this extent. They would collect these stories and they would do the same thing and then they would mail them to people like me and we would you know, publish them on, on our websites and that sort of thing. And again, the idea was just to let you know, hey, these stories are out there. They're covered in local media. They're just not covered on national media and people who don't watch local media and only watch national media. They miss all of the nuance of that coverage. Obviously, there's a lot of problems with media in general in the United States, especially at the local level. But there are some things that generally at the local level get covered fairly well. And one of those things does tend to be crime. Uh, not always, but sometimes. You know, it's not everywhere is like South Bend where they all of a sudden magically pretend that crime hasn't been happening simply because the uh, the, the mayor is going to be running for president. And then they retract everything they've ever published about high crimes in the, in the area like our local media did uh, when Pete Buttigieg was getting ready to announce that he was running for president which actually happened for those of you who don't remember that. So it's, it's good to see this type of, of thing because you get this data, you get the, the actual stories from their local media source, you see exactly what happened, and it tells everybody that the narrative that people don't use guns for good is complete garbage. And the sheer amount of times that a licensed concealed carry holder prevents mass killings is staggering in the united states it happens a lot you just don't ever hear about it you never hear about it but it does happen with regularity the fbi has done several studies on this we've highlighted those studies on this show where they have point blank they have the best most effective deterrence and or method of stopping an attack is for an armed citizen to be on scene because they will always be there before law enforcement gets there and it's one of those things that just gets uh, completely left out of the media narrative on all of this hey don't forget to go to dlive.tv slash casey the host dlive.tv slash casey the host make sure you hit that follow button what's happening with Johns Hopkins we'll talk about that next